The last song that he sang was, of course, the Lord's Prayer. And that was the teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. It's always intrigued me that they asked him to teach them to pray. And they weren't saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. They grew up in a religious home. They grew up Jewish. They grew up learning certain prayers that were uh, typical to them. But theirs was in watching the dependence that Jesus had upon the Father, in seeing that kind of trust and seeing the results is when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to be about praying. Now, of course, we only pray when we feel like we need to. If you don't feel like you have a need, you don't pray. It's only when you think, I need this badly, that you trust wholeheartedly in prayer. There there were three ministers that were talking together about the best way to do it, the best way to pray, the proper position. And one minister waxed eloquent saying, well, you know, it's all in the hands. It, It depends on how you place your hands and you have to raise them in a spiritual manner unto the Father. And that's the best position for prayer. The next minister said, I disagree. By the way, in the background, working in one of these guys' offices was a telephone repairman. He's listening to the conversation. And the second guy said, no, it has nothing to do with the hands. It's the position of your body as you kneel in prayer. It shows a humble adoration. You're kneeling before God. The third minister said, I I disagree. I I think if you're really a man of God, that you're going to get on your face before God and lay down on the floor, hands outstretched. That's the proper position for a holy God. After this, the telephone repairman butted in, listening to the conversation. He said, gentlemen, I found the most powerful prayer I ever prayed was dangling by my heels from a telephone pole 40 feet off the ground. And you can understand that a guy in that position would feel a great need to pray. Do you remember the first time you ever prayed? Perhaps not if you grew up doing it in a religious home. Now I lay me down to sleep. Who knows when you first prayed that? But maybe you've come to faith recently. And so you remember what it was like to talk to God the first time. It was a little bit awkward. I like that. I like those kinds of prayers. I like it when somebody fresh comes to know Jesus Christ and the outpouring of the heart is just from the heart. They haven't learned how to do it yet. Not a lot of eloquence, just from the gut. Do you remember the first time you prayed publicly? Maybe it was a little bit scary to you. You did it in a small group and you were hoping that there'd be a lot of amens after your prayer to sort of encourage you. There is a little exhortation, and we won't take too much time in it, but just enough to get us going before we break up in groups and and pray. In Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle is giving us instruction and encouragement when it comes to duking it out on a spiritual level, spiritual warfare. It's a familiar passage. In chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Isn't it interesting that prayer here is put in the context of spiritual warfare? You want to do it right, take out the heavy artillery, which is prayer. It's to be seen in that context. It's a mega fight we are in, and we need the right stuff to fight the battle with. I find it interesting that in the context of doing battle with Satan, we're called to pray here. Um, let, Let me rephrase that. Talk to God rather than the devil. I don't know why people feel the need to talk to the devil in spiritual warfare. Now, Satan, we want you to know that we come against you. What are you doing? You're talking to the devil. It's like you're praying to him. You might say, well, I'm praying against him, but you don't need to have a conversation with him. The Bible says resist the devil, not carry on a long conversation over lunch with him. You talk to God about the devil. It's The key is talking to God in prayer. Don't flatter yourself. The devil is not scared of you at all. You don't threaten him at all. The God who lives inside of you threatens him, however, greatly, because he knows that in the end that is his defeat. There's a little poem that says, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. So you're going to stand up and go, come on, devil, right now, you and me together. It's like big whoop. But you get on your knees and you call upon God. That's heavy artillery. That's the context it's in. So why should we pray? Obviously, number one, God said to do it. But secondly, we pray because there's a devil. You have an enemy who exists, the enemy of your soul. In fact, Peter said, be be diligent, be watchful or on the alert for your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And as you know, he comes against you perhaps in greater force, like Steve was sharing, when you decide, I'm going to pray. And then your mind goes bananas. It goes, it wanders, the telephone rings, the doorbell rings. You haven't seen that much activity until you start praying. Our, Our greatest example is Jesus. How often did Jesus pray as the Son of God, as the perfect person, and depend upon His Father at crucial times in His life. For instance, before He chose His twelve disciples, it says He spent the night in prayer. On another occasion, He got up early, a great while before the day, and committed things to God in prayer. Uh, In John chapter 6, when the crowd wanted to force Him to be a king, He got alone with the Father 
and he talked it over with him. In Gethsemane, when he was wrestling with the whole issue of the payment for our sins, he was praying to the Father. The point being this, if the sinless Son of God felt it incumbent upon him to trust the Father that much, how much we who are sinners ought to trust the Father. Leonard Ravenhill said, The church has many organizers, but few agonizers. Many who pay, but few who pray. Many resters, but few wrestlers. Many who are enterprising, but few who are interceding. A worldly Christian will stop praying, and a praying Christian will stop worldliness. Tithes may build a church, but tears will give it life. That is the difference between the modern church and the early church. In the matter of effective prayer, never have so many left so much to so few. Brethren, let us pray. When should we pray? Notice what it says in verse 18. Praying always. Always. On all occasions. As Paul said to the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean prayer that is constantly occurring as much as prayer that is constantly recurring. On all occasions, it's the habit of life. Instead of, now I lay me down to sleep and relegate it to, before I shut my eyes, I'm going to shoot up a quick one. Uh, before meals is a great time to pray, but, but that's not the only time to pray. Not just before bed, not just before meals, but on every occasion. I don't think the idea is that we murmur under our breath 24 hours a day. How you doing today? can't I do I'm praying always. The idea is that it's the habit of our life. When anything comes our way that we hear about, any need that we know about, it is the response of the heart to give it to the Lord, to cast our cares and our burdens upon Him. A major news magazine talked about prayer among Americans, and it said, a majority of people interviewed prayed, doing so in a rather superficial manner, Prayers were usually prayers of petition rather than prayers of thanksgiving, intercession, or seeking forgiveness. The magazine said God, for some, is simply viewed as a divine Santa Claus. Now, how should we pray? Notice again verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. I guess all prayer covers a lot of stuff, doesn't it? There's more than just give me, I need kind of prayers. All prayer would include thanksgiving, praise, worship, intercession, confession. Those are all adequate, gracious forms of communication with God. When I was a baby, I had one form of communication with my mom and dad. It it began with W and ended with A. Wow, that's all I knew. It was a cry. When I wanted something, wham! When I wanted a diaper change, when I wanted a bottle, when I wanted attention, I just, that was it. It was a very primary form of getting the message across. Now, I grew up from being a baby. You say, well, not much. Well, that's true, but I still have. And I developed ways of communicating with mom and dad. I learned how to say words like gimme, I need, I want. And I even grew up from that to a more sophisticated form of communication, manipulation. All children know it. They learn it early. But the point is, the older you get, the more sophisticated you become. And usually, 
the less selfish you become. For instance, when I was fully grown, no longer did I call my parents saying, wah, or gimme, or manipulate. I generally called, and I was more concerned about what they wanted, how they are feeling, how they're doing. What could I do for them? And so it is with prayer. We begin as neophytes in the Christian faith, and it's a primary form of communication. Perhaps it's just, oh God, you know that I need. And let me tell you, God is pleased with any calling upon him. But the older we get in the Lord, our prayer life should broaden to all prayer and supplication. Example, there's worship. Worship is the absence of being self-centered. It's now my primary focus is upon God and his kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I'm concerned about the Father's program, not my own comfort. It, worship is a perspective adjustment. Have you noticed that when you come in and you're kind of consumed with your own deal and then you start singing songs of worship and praise, adoration and thanksgiving and you go, oh, God's the center, not me. I forgot that for a while. Everything revolves around him and his program. That is worship. Then there's confession. That's where you bring yourself as part of the problem in confessing your sins before God. Nehemiah was great at this. Daniel was great at this. Here's a couple guys who were removed from the situation of immediate sin in the nation of Israel. But when they prayed, they said, we have sinned. We need your help. Please forgive us. It wasn't, they blew it. The world needs your help. I don't. Of course, because I'm the one praying and I understand that. No, we do, Lord. It was the confession they included themselves in that prayer. And I think that when you do that, it demonstrates maturity. The people that I know who are the closest to God are the ones who recognize their own sinfulness, i.e. Paul the Apostle. He said, here's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the chief. I'm the greatest sinner there is. And God has been gracious to me and the willingness to confess our sins if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. That's the idea. We should also pray real quickly here. It says in the same verse, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. It takes perseverance to pray right, doesn't it? You know, in spiritual warfare, it's either pray or faint. It's kind of one of those two extremes. If you don't pray hard, you faint quickly. So rather than fainting and saying, I've prayed, nothing has happened, I give up, keep at it. It takes perseverance. Any battle does. That's the idea here. For whom should I pray? It says here, for all the saints. And then it says, and for me. Like Steve was saying, when you pray this morning, pray for us in Canada. Paul is saying, when you pray for all the saints, remember that I'm one of those saints. I could really use your prayers. Now, that brings us to another form of prayer, which we want to work on today. We've already worshipped, given God thanks in some of these songs. That has been prayer, our worship time, and agreeing with <clears throat> what Steve was singing in prayer. Another form of prayer is intercession, when we pray for all the saints. We pray for also kings, authorities. Paul wrote to Timothy and said that we ought to pray for leaders so that we can live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. Intercession is 
What I would say, laboring in prayer. You know, it's easy to worship, I found. I don't know if you found that. But whenever I come in and songs are being sung and God is lifted up, that's pretty easy to do. God is lovely. God is awesome. To render worship to Him for a Christian, it's almost second nature. It's, oh yes, He is awesome. When I pray for myself, personal petition, I find that pretty easy too. Don't you? You're in touch with your needs. For you to say, God, I need this, it's natural. But when you are not self-centered and you focus your attention on what they need, what other people are going through, that's where it's more difficult. That's where your mind wanders the most. That's where you get the tiredest and you want to give up and faint. Paul wrote of Epaphras saying, He is a bondservant of Christ, laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now let me just say, if some of you are looking for the right ingredient to add zing to your spiritual life, this is it. Here's the gem. Here's the secret. Maybe some of you read your Bible, go through the motions, go to church, but the spiritual life is sort of stale and flat and uneventful. You think, what is missing? Perhaps what is missing is that it's been all inlet and no outlet. You become spiritually fat. You sort of become a little bit sluggish because you're taken in Bible study after Bible study and sort of evaluating Christian programs and churches and sermons on a scale of 1 to 10. And so you're taking everything in but not giving anything out. And if you want to add some fuel to the fire of your faith, it comes in intercessory prayer. It's where you're in touch with the needs of others. And when you hear of the needs of others, you're quick to respond in prayer. Well, we have a lot of stuff to pray about, not only at this time of prayer before we have breakfast, but throughout the day, I would suppose, And on into the night. And making this not just a day of prayer, as if to say there's 364 days that I don't have to do it. I'll save up all the needs for one. This is a pattern, isn't it? This should be happening all the time. But what can we pray for? And we're going to break up in groups in just a minute. Pray for churches. Pray for spiritual leadership in the community. Pray for neighborhoods. The gang problem is growing in every community, including our own. Pray for believers who live in neighborhoods to share their faith with other neighbors and to share their love with other neighbors. Pray for the government. Pray for the police department. The government, all the way from the president down to those who sit in the local Senate and House, our Mayor Chavez and his cabinet, Pray for schools in our community. Pray for the media in our community. These are just some samples of what we can be praying for. So rather than having somebody come up and pray formally for these things, we can break up in little groups and all of us can have a chance to voice it. I think a group of about four or five or six is best because if you have too big of a group, not everyone will get uh, a chance to pray. So let's just... Find someone close to you right now and for the remainder of the time, and we have about uh, 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes, and uh, we'll break up in groups and let's just be about the business of interceding and praying and confessing our sin before God, shall we?
Let's all stand and um, we'll pray for our food. I know that you probably are, some of you are still engaged in prayer. You, you may want to hold that thought and then resume, but we do want to stay on the schedule so that we can honor the commitments that you have to your work, to your family, and try to stay on schedule as much as we can. I think that's honoring to the Lord as well. Um, let's stand for a word of prayer. Uh, we're, we actually like the format this year. You know, the breakfast is a burrito and uh, coffee and juice, and uh, it'll be served to you out of the Solomon's porch. But uh, last year we had it down at the convention center, and that was a great time too, but that was 15 bucks, and uh, having it here, we can lower the price and just you know charge for the food. It's three bucks, so uh, we're glad that we can do that and, and include perhaps more people. Let's uh, ask God to bless the meal. Father, thank you for the fellowship this morning. Uh, we are fellowshipping around the right thing, and that is your kingdom. Lord, thank you for hearing every prayer that we pray. Thank you, Father, for answering it. We thank you in advance for the answers, Lord. We know that this has been very effective and that it's working. We ask you now to bless the the food, strengthen our bodies, Lord, that we might serve you with every fiber in our being. In Jesus' name.